0: So, uh, Eva Hart, she was born in uh, London. She died about 25 years ago, she was uh, 91 when she died. In April of 1912, she and her parents uh, decided to emigrate to Canada. So they purchased tickets on the, the Titanic She was seven, Eva. When she died in 1996, um, she was considered the last link of living memory of that disaster. She was the, the last living person with a memory of that tragedy. There were actually a few other people that were still alive. I think there were... Eight remaining survivors when she died, but they were all younger than her. They were babies when the ship sank, so they had no memory of it. So she was the first, the last living person to actually remember what happened. So when she died, it was a pretty big deal because there was nobody left who could describe it as an eyewitness. Lots of people wrote books on it, made movies about it, lots of experts, but nobody left who was there. This is what she said. I can remember the colors, the sounds, everything. The worst thing I can remember are the screams. But even worse was the silence that followed. It seemed as if everyone had gone as if once everyone had gone, the whole world was standing still. There was nothing, just this deathly, terrible silence in the dark night with the stars overhead. She said that uh, her father woke her up in the middle of the night, carried her outside onto the deck in a blanket, placed her in a lifeboat, handed her to her mother, his wife, and the father said to the girl, uh, hold mommy's hand and be a good girl. And he put her in the lifeboat. And that was the last thing he ever said to her. It was the last time she ever saw him. She described uh, watching the ship sink from a distance in the lifeboat. She said, I saw, I saw it sink. I never closed my eyes. I didn't sleep at all. I saw it and I heard it. Nobody could possibly forget it. There's actually video of her being interviewed. I guess she was in her, in her 80s at this point. She'd never really talked about it for most of her life. In the last decade or so, she, uh, she did. It's pretty powerful to hear her talk about it. It's, uh, you really do kind of hang on her every word. She kind of makes you feel like you were there. But that's what eyewitnesses do, right? That's the the power of an eyewitness. (laughs) They were there. They can tell you things that nobody else can tell you if they weren't there. Think about it. Like with a, a court case. It's a lot tougher to win a case when there are no eyewitnesses. But... You know, the lawyer finds out, no, we think we got an eyewitness. Oh man, that's like gold. Now let's consider this gospel for a minute. 5,000 people were there listening to Jesus. So long that they hadn't really eaten. So much so that they're now pretty, pretty hungry. And he feeds 5,000 people with pretty much nothing. You know, a handful of fish and bread. Like enough to probably feed five people, he somehow feeds 5,000. Man, wouldn't it be amazing to have a, a video of an interview with somebody who was there then to talk about what it was like. Like what happens when there are no more eyewitnesses. And to think about it, at a certain point, those 5,000 people, well, eventually, the last one died, a little bit like the woman on the Titanic. Eventually, there was nobody left. Probably lots of kids that were there among the 5,000, so give them, I don't know, let's say 75 years after this miracle, the last one died. What happens when there are no more eyewitnesses? Two important things. You know what I think happens? You rely on witnesses. You had eyewitnesses, but now they're gone. So now you've got to rely on compelling witnesses. So what's the difference? I mean, don't, I, I, they almost seem like interchangeable. Don't they? A witness and an eyewitness... And they're very close. It's sort of like, a, I think, a little bit of a nuanced difference. Eyewitness is somebody who directly witnessed an event. With their own eyes, they were there. They saw it happen. I think with a witness, it's a little bit less than that. They weren't there, but they know a lot about it. They argue for the case. They're very good at maybe explaining it, They may help with the evidence, but they weren't there. Think about it, like when when an expert witness is called in, say it's a a doctor, and he needs to come in and talk about something involving, you know, the wound that was inflicted upon the the victim. An expert witness. The doctor wasn't there, but he can tell you about elements of it. So, I mean, eyewitnesses are just way more compelling than witnesses, aren't they? Don't you want to hear from somebody who was there rather than somebody who re- read a book on it? Remember in the movie? Remember the Titanic? Remember when, when they flew the, the old lady to the boat? This is kind of before the flashback begins. And the whole crew gathers around her. They're having listen to every word the old lady said because she was there. How many years before? She can say things that nobody else can talk about. You know, I, I lived with, um, growing up, uh, my grandmother lived with me, lived in my house. She moved in when I was one, so I don't even remember her not being there. Um, my mom's mom, she was born in Ireland, She was born in 1894. (gasps) Kind of hard to believe, right? She died at 103. Growing up in my house, which wasn't really a big house, I was just an eyewitness to her unshakable faith. Like I had no choice, I lived with her. I couldn't not witness it. I witnessed it. We lived in the same house. and She was just always praying, it seemed. She was always making her way to church. We lived two blocks from Our Lady of Victory. She was always back and forth. She'd be sitting watching Family Feud and she'd have a rosary bead in her hand. Like It was like always God somehow was nearby. So I was an eyewitness to her faith I was an eyewitness to my parents faith which wasn't the same as my grandmother's i think theirs was kind of more modern but just as strong just as consistent i was an eyewitness to very powerful witnesses none of those people were ever met jesus in the flesh None of them were one of the 5,000, obviously. But they were serious believers. And I was an eyewitness to that. And hey, so were you. I mean, I'm telling my story. I'm sure every one of you can tell your story. Maybe it's your, your grandfather or your grandmother or your mom or your dad, whoever it is. But I suspect we've all been eyewitnesses To somebody's faith. That's why we're in this church this morning. We didn't just stumble upon this place because we were over at the the fair and decided to come in. We're here today because we witnessed or I witnessed something from somebody else. Man, to have been one of those 5,000, that would have been great. But there's none left. They're gone. So now you get the, best, the next best thing. We get to watch people who believe, people who live it out, people who practice it. I was an eyewitness to people of faith, and mine was born out of theirs. And it's not the same. I don't have the same faith as my, my grandmother had. I mean, I think she probably went to sixth grade. She had a pretty simple understanding of faith. But in a lot of ways, she could run circles around mine. It's a different kind of faith. Same with my parents. But they were the source of mine. And like I said, I know I'm talking up here, talking about me and mine and my family. Same thing for all of you, I suspect. I think that's how it works. We get faith because we see faith, and we hear faith. We become eyewitnesses to faith. You know, I was uh, a couple of years ago, I was in the car with my brother-in-law. And uh, it was just the two of us. I don't even know where we were going. And we're listening to this uh, commercial on the radio. And the music uh, in the background, or almost preceded the commercial, and then in the background was uh, this piece of classical music that was very familiar. It was very, very beautiful. And uh, I love it. We all, we've all heard this piece of music, um, but I didn't know the name of it. Like, I don't really know anything about classical music. I, I should. I kind of wish I did. And when I hear something that I love, I'm like, oh, man, I, I ought to... So I mentioned, I said, I wish I knew the names of these. And he said to me, like, without missing a beat, he said, that's... Uh, Pachelbel's Canon in D. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I kind of did know that. But then Sean, my brother-in-law, started talking more about Canon in D. And Johann Pachelbel, he said he was the 17th century Baroque composer. I looked at him like, how did you know that? Like he turned into like a professor in the car. I was like, how did you know? And then started talking about some of the great classical artists. Then started talking about opera. I was like, how do you know all this? He said, my grandparents. He said, my grandparents and my parents loved classical music. And he said it was always on in the house. It was always on in the background, and sometimes in the the foreground, and it was always on. And it was always being explained to him as a kid, especially by his grandfather. And that's how he knows it. Like, no mystery there, right? That's how it works. He was an eyewitness to their passion for music and it rubbed off. I mean, we share what we love with those we love, don't we? Isn't it kind of like a, a natural thing? I love this. I love you. I want you to listen to this. Come, let's go watch this. Let's go play this. Whatever it is. We share what we love with those we love. I see it all the time. I see it all the time down here. Watch, because well, I'm, I'm right here. Every Saturday, you'll see a father and his son or daughter heading to the beach with surfboards. Sometimes the surfboard is like twice the size of these little kids. But it's so obvious that it's really important to dad. And he's just passing it on to these kids. You're a great cook. Man, how did you become such a great cook? Well, you should have met my mom. I just watched my mom and I became a great cook. That's what, That's what. so how often does that happen? The music you like, my brother-in-law. You have an older brother or sister who impacted, they loved a certain band when, when they were a teenager. You're five years younger, but you were listening to your older brother loving whatever the band was, and you love it. People are like, well, how come you like that band? They're like, they were ahead of your time. I know they were, but my brother loved them. So I fell in love with them. That's how it works. We become eyewitnesses to their passion. So here's the crisis. Here's the reason to sound an alarm. More and more today, I'd say like an epidemic ways, Kids have lost faith witnesses. Kids don't have, well, what I had two generations of faith. It's no credit to me, it's the house I was, the family I was born into. But that was a gift. And more and more, that's absent in kids' homes today. Like, it just is. We know it. Like, if we're kidding ourselves, let's stop. More and more, kids are growing up in houses where mom and dad never talk about faith, let alone practice it. That's become like the challenge, one of our challenges with religious ed and the school. We're running a school, or running a Catholic school and like a shocking percentage of the families don't go to church. Same thing with religious ed. You know, it's dawning on us. We keep trying to put the best program together for the kids and I think we really do have a good one. Got a lot of young, you know, young adult, people in their 20s, teaching kids, almost like big brother, big sister kind of stuff. Really, really good. But we're also realizing this, like, no matter how good they are, no matter how good a program we put together, if those kids go home and they, it's not affirmed, it is not brought up until they come back to religion again the following week, we're spinning our wheels. It's not going to work. Like, if parents aren't the primary educators of Jesus, give it up. Like, it's just not going to happen. I saw this sign or a picture of a of a sign not too long ago it was like a, I guess in front of a church it said this two, two questions chance that your kid chance that your kid becomes a pro athlete 0.02% chance that your kid will stand before Jesus 100% You can't have something that you've never seen. You can't possess something that you never witnessed. Does my brother-in-law know anything about Johann Pachabel without the example of others? You know, the 5,000 people in this gospel it says they were hungry. They needed to be fed. So do our kids. I'd say they're starving. And here's the proof. Here's just a little bit of proof that our kids today, most of them, are starving suicide among teenage girls is up 183% since 2010 50% of college kids believe that they are that they themselves are below average when it comes to mental health as mental health is crashing So is... Or as mental health, mental unhealth is exploding, faith is crashing. I mean, come on. We don't have to be a statistician to kind of connect this stuff, right? Like, we know this is related. Kids with anxiety, kids with struggling with depression, despair, like, that's exploding, And faith is disappearing. Like, we know this stuff is connected. That's what hunger looks like. So we need help. Like, we really need help. And what I mean by that is, well, is this. We need you. Everybody has to step it up in terms of how they express their faith. Let everybody you meet, after they meet you, say, wow, like, she's got faith. Like, he's kinda into the the church stuff. Is that gonna change things overnight? No. Will many of those people sort of just disregard it? Yes, but not everybody, because they're starving. And you know what, when you're hungry, you'll go, you'll go eat anything if you're really hungry. And if they see something in you, and they hear something in you, they may latch onto it. You know, you're hearing these stories in, in Ukraine about like these middle-aged men, these 60-year-old guys who are being, who are like being given rifles and are just out fighting. Like they've totally come out of retirement. They're doing stuff that they never would have imagined that they'd be doing a year ago. But they need to. Because we're desperate. Because we're starving. Because our kids are hungry. They need witnesses. They need to hear from you. Let them see it. Let them hear it. Let them believe it because of you.